You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 12 with Gretchen Suarez. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, your body, your body image, and your mind all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show is meant to inspire you and make you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin. Hello there and welcome to Heart Food Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and also Happy New Year. If you're listening to this show the day it comes out on January 2nd, we are right in the beginning, you guys, of what I know is going to be a fantastic year. And there couldn't be a better episode than what I have for you today. This is such an awesome and a really important episode for so many people, pretty much anybody out there to listen to. I know you're going to gain something from this episode. And I'm so happy that my yoga teacher, Gretchen Suarez, agreed to come on the show and have a conversation with me about topics that I think are integral for everybody out there to know and to implement into their lives. Before I talk to you about the episode and before we actually get into it, I'm going to go over just some quick housekeeping stuff. You guys know that you can find the show notes for the episode, so anything that's mentioned, anything that's talked about, you can find them all at ashleypardo.com if you go to the blog section. You can also sign up for my newsletter which I send out every Thursday right there at ashleypardo.com as well. If you scroll down a little bit, you're going to see something that says sign up for updates and you can do it right there. That's going to be really important this year because my business is going to grow a lot this year because like I talked about in the last episode, I'm joining a high level level mastermind with a business coach and I know that huge things are going to come to my business because of this risk and belief in myself that I decided to do and take to have somebody help me through the growth. So the newsletter is going to be the best place to find all of that new stuff that's going to be coming out throughout the year. Also, I love doing the Q&A episodes. I know there's so many questions surrounding the topics that I cover on this show, especially because there's so much conflicting information out there. I try to bring you all the best and, you know, the best to my ability information that I deem is worthy to tell you and to talk about, because like I said, there's so much wrong information out there and there's just so much of it that it can be really overwhelming. So if you have a question for the show, please send it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you all that have been subscribing to the show and, and having ratings and reviews. We're really growing in that sense. We're getting a lot of them. And if you can just take a quick second and go to the podcast app on your phone, even if you're subscribed to Heart Food Podcast, go ahead and search for it and then go towards the bottom and then you can rate and review it there. You can also do it on your computer, but you have to search for the show, even if you are subscribed. So I don't know why it's like that, but it's still happening. People are still doing it. So please, if you have just a couple minutes, go ahead and do it if you're enjoying the show, because I really want the show to grow and that is how it gains exposure. 
Now to get to today's episode. Like I said, Gretchen Suarez is my yoga teacher. I have been practicing with her for almost three years now. I do Ashtanga yoga. Many of you know that. It's a specific style of yoga that I feel very aligned and connected to. And for that reason, it's been a huge part of my life the last three years. And practicing Ashtanga with Gretchen specifically has really been a huge catalyst for my growth as a person. And I'll talk about this in the episode as well. But uh, Gretchen is an Ashtanga yoga teacher and a psychotherapist. But she really aims to help people become acquainted with their most authentic selves through different tools. So it could be yoga, mindfulness, awareness, several other practices, but it's really just about looking at who you are, trying to lessen your suffering and not running from yourself. Isn't that the biggest thing? That is like, I think the most basic human skill that we can all have, but many of us out there, me included in the past, had no idea who I was, had no idea why my brain thought the way that it did, why I felt so like addicty around certain things. And this can be for anybody. And, you know, I really talk about food and nutrition a lot. And food is such a good example of a way that we use to run from ourselves and try to leave ourselves when we feel any sort of discomfort. And that's why I talk about the stuff that lies underneath wanting the food or wanting to go shopping or wanting to just do anything that wants you know, that you want to take you out of yourself because you feel so uncomfortable. Staying in that discomfort and learning to stay with yourself no matter what is probably the greatest skill that we could learn as humans. And especially now in this time on earth when things are a little crazy, I really wanted to bring you this episode and this information, not only because I'm passionate about it, because but because like I said, this is basic human information. And If we decide to dedicate ourselves to these practices that we talk about, not even in like a way that you need to dedicate hours to it a day, but if we can live in a way and shift our perspectives and our mindsets, that's really what it's about. It's a shift in a perspective and a changing of a mindset to become more aware pretty much 24-7 and learning to come back to ourselves and to stay with ourselves and to really love and take care of ourselves in the most highest regard and to believe that we are worthy of all of the things that we want in our lives. And if we do the things that will bring us those things in our lives, then we are able to have a solid foundation from which we can live. So you don't have to have, you know, like I said, I know I talk a lot about food, but this isn't just about food. This is what it's really about. This is the information that we all need to know to begin to live a more awakened and aware life. And I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Gretchen Suarez was born with a thirst to understand human suffering and how to alleviate psychological pain. This desire led her to travel and live in India for many years to study yoga and meditation, the Eastern techniques to self-actualize. 
The practices she learned from her teachers in the East, combined with her work as a psychotherapist, increased her knowledge to better understand how human beings can heal and grow most successfully. She changed her profession from a financially successful business executive to a yoga teacher and licensed psychotherapist. She devoted her life to the internal pursuit of mental health and self-actualization. Her mission is to share her knowledge and tools that she has acquired over the last 20 years with as many people that she can. She believes in helping people live to their true potential, and she would love to assist others in their journey of growth, healing, and awakening. So thank you so much for being here with me today, Gretchen. Thank you for having me. Of course. So we're here in Gretchen's office in Miami in Coconut Grove, and you've been my yoga teacher now for almost three years. And we've been like monogamous. Before I met you, I would like dabble in different yoga teachers. But like since I met you, I've really kind of dedicated myself to just doing Ashtanga. And, you know, not only have you been a yoga teacher, but you've really facilitated my growth in what you say and your teaching. So it's not really just about yoga and that stuff that we'll get into, but it's a lot deeper. And whenever I'm going through stuff or anything, I always kind of think back to the tools that that you've given me to grow and just live in the world in, you know, in a fulfilling way. Um, And I also think too, for people out there that might be looking for a yoga teacher, that when you're ready, the teacher appears in your life. We actually had a mutual friend connect us um, and right at the perfect time. So I thought that was really interesting. And I wanted to have you on because you've taught me so much, not only obviously about yoga, which my view has completely changed from the time that I've started. But like I told you before, you facilitated my growth to become, I I mean, I've always been, or for the past like six years, I'd say I've been curious about this aware life and an awakened life, but you really like took me over the edge to really get deeper into it. And I'm so passionate about mindfulness and I really want so many people to hear this information Um, You know, I really want people to develop these types of tools that you've given me because it doesn't matter what your thing is that you go to when things get tough or you want to leave your body or whatever. It doesn't matter if it's food, if it's alcohol, if it's shopping, it all comes down to the same thing. And I feel like if people can develop that foundation of those foundational tools, not even promising. Like I've told you so many times that I used to think that coming into this work, it would, and even starting yoga, it would lead me to just be this person that was like perfect and silent, you know what I mean? Like on a mountaintop and that wouldn't have any negative thoughts ever. And, and that's really not what it is. So I think it's really just about being present with whatever else is going on. And it's not about things going perfectly, but knowing that you are equipped to handle whatever comes at you in life. So that's why I think it's so important that everybody hears this. So let's start with, tell us how you, because I know you used to be in the business world. So tell us kind of from the beginning, what brought you to this work and why you're so passionate about trying to help so many people. Well, you know, I would like to say that when when I graduated from college, I was, you know, I went to an American school and the conditioning of the United States is go and do and make a lot of money. So I, you know, I always wanted to be an independent woman um, and it kind of 
forced me to go into the business world to make it that American dream of like making it and mm-hmm. making a ton of money, right? So I had like this goal in my mind, I was gonna make $100,000 by the time I was 30 and I was gonna climb the corporate ladder and thinking that that was a way of happiness. I mean, that's yeah. the information that we had back then, you know, in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I climbed the corporate ladder, I spent 10 years in that world, I realized that I was really unhappy. <laughs> I was very unhappy. I was working in toxic environments. Mm-hmm. Um, I hit the you know the glass ceiling, and I reached my goal. I surpassed my goal before I was thirty, and then I decided that there's something else. Yeah, this is not about being able to walk into any store and buy whatever you want, which was nice. Mm-hmm. But the external pursuit of happiness, in my mind, in my body, in my organism, it what that's what it's not. It's not about that. Yeah. And it took me a while to surrender to that. And I started going to Kundalini Yoga. I started seeing um, a therapist. There was something inside of me that was just so sad and so miserable. And I started teaching because the classes that I was doing at the time, I started doing Kundalini Yoga. Mm -hmm. And it was very meditative. And I would just cry. I would just go to class and I would cry and I would hate it. And somehow my body would take me back to class. Yeah. Because sometimes things you have to, it's, it's the so, discomfort. It's that so really uncomfortable. You. Yeah. But the soul I felt was making me go back. Like I needed to go through this. Kind of like you have to sit in the mud, right? Yeah, yeah. In order for the lotus. But I didn't know that stuff back then. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I was very unhappy. And I knew that there was a little bit of relief when I went to my yoga class twice a week. Mm-hmm. And then I went, instead of going on vacations to where people go on vacations to sit on the beach and sip pina coladas, I was going to, you know, retreats, silent retreats, and fasting, and vipassanas, and I was really going after some sort of spiritual quest, because I knew there was something there. Yeah, and isn't that so interesting, too, that all of us, I think that message is still prevalent in this society, especially, like, for millennials and stuff, like, just go get your job, you know, have, get married, have a kid, have your nice cars, and, and that is the promise of happiness, and it's so interesting that it isn't really it's not that, it. you know? And as much as we we even know that that's not it, yeah. because we, we see, you know, celebrities and people that have a lot of money mm-hmm. suffer from addiction and depression and, bipo- and lots of different discomforts. Yeah. So even though we know that that's not the path, there's still something instinctual in us yeah. that thinks that that's going to make us happy. Exactly. And I don't, you know, I don't believe that it's true. Yeah. I found some relief in doing yoga and I decided like one day it just it just kind of hit me. It's like I need to do this. I need to help people. How did you find out about yoga in in the first place? How did I find out about yoga? You know, it was back in the eighties. It wasn't so common. It's mm-hmm. not like now how yeah, there's a yeah, yoga studio in every yeah. corner. It was something that just attracted me. Um, mm-hmm. I knew that there were a couple of places offered yoga. I had a friend of mine that went to a class, said, oh, you should try this Kundalini yoga stuff. And it was being taught in a little apartment in Miami Beach. And it was very weird. Mm. <laughs> it was very different. Yeah, especially it's, Kundalini, because Kundalini is more like breathing, right? Like it's not so much. Kundalini is a lot of like chanting, chanting and yeah. a lot of like holding poses for like five minutes. It's and heavy breathings, right? Like sometimes, I've seen people. Okay. Sometimes it's like there's a breath of fire. Yeah. But it's mostly like a lot of med. It's all a lot of mind over matter. 
Okay. So I would go to these um, retreats and spend three days in tantric meditation where you're like sitting. At first, I remember going up to the top of the mountain in Santa Fe and going, <laughs> I don't want to join this cult. This is a cult. Everybody was dressed in white and they were wearing yeah. white turbans. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm not here for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's just that resistance of doing something new. We're always going to resist and feel uncomfortable. And wanna, I wanted to get on a plane and go back home. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? I should be like sitting in, on a boat and sipping pina coladas, you know? Yes. And here I am in the mountains and it's dirty. And I'm going to spend eight hours looking in somebody else's eyes and doing different meditations, 60 hour med- sixty minute and 32 minutes. I mean, it's crazy. It a lot, is. It's a lot of stuff comes up and then yeah. I'm honoring silence. So I'm not, no one's, I'm doing silent meditation. And how old were you during, like when this first 20s. started? Okay. Yeah. Okay. In my mid 20s. Okay. Um, again, already like searching. I was still in the business world, but I was already like putting a my transition into that world. Because I remember you've told me that you would wake up like at three in the morning, three to 30? do my yeah. sadhana. Yeah, because that yoga was asking us to get up at four in the morning and chant, do these chants for, for like an hour. Uh huh. Every morning. Okay. And what's going on is the more I got into Kundalini, and then I would go to work, and my brain was out of this world. It was it was fr- it was fried. Yeah. Because when you're doing these meditations and then you're going into the business environment, especially a male-dominated business environment. Exactly. Where you don't feel safe and it's very, very scary. Mm-hmm. And there's a role that you have to play as a woman and, and managing people. I mean, I was managing like 35 people and I was a head of marketing. Yeah. And there was a disconnect. There was a persona that I was putting on. That wasn't really who you were and you felt that. Exactly. But I felt like that's what I, who I needed to be in order to be successful. Yeah. whatever that was yes and there was a moment that it, it hit me I was like here I am working for a sports company and I'm not into sports mm-hmm. and I was pretending to be into sports I can't picture that and I was in charge of the marketing so I was yeah. more on the direct marketing side yes. so it's just a business exactly but and then I realized my father was really into sports oh. so I had like this insight that oh here I am looking for daddy's approval still yeah in my career unconscious not I mean and that's when I decided, I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm mm-hmm. going to have to give up my nice apartment on Miami Beach. I have to stop driving my BMW. Worst yeah. case scenario. I thought about being homeless. I'm like, no, I can just move in my parents. Exactly. <laughs> but I need to start shifting because I can't. I saw that I could not do this for the rest of my life. I saw the path very clearly that it was just going to be more and more and more of this. Mm-hmm. Same old, same old. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do that. It would kill me. Yeah. And when you were starting this path, were you just thinking that this was just like an extra thing that you would add towards this life and you would continue in that, in the marketing realm or in the business realm? I knew that it was going to be You knew over. from the beginning? Yeah. Okay. I was just okay. really scared financially. Yeah. Yes. Because when you're used to making $100,000 a year, which yeah. nowadays is not even that much, but yeah. back then it's, mm-hmm. you know. It's like, how, how am I going to maintain my lifestyle? Yeah. And yeah. I also thought, let me not get too comfortable with this lifestyle. Let me not make, you know, $500,000 because then it's going to be even harder. Yes. So if I'm going to do it, that was my inspiration. Let me do it now. Yeah. Let me do it now so I can transition easily. Exactly. Even though the transitions are never easy. They were, know? but you know what? It was it was pretty smooth for a transition like that because what I did was that I was working. Mm-hmm. And I was running my own marketing consulting business at the time I quit the job. Okay. And I started doing my own marketing. So I had a few clients that I was working with. And then okay. I was doing a lot more yoga. And then I was doing a lot more learning. Okay. And I started teaching privates and in small places. 
So I was doing both for a couple so like of years. So like a bunch, like freelance style. Exactly. Balancing both. Exactly. And I think that that's the best way to do it, you know, because we would all love to just do whatever we love, but we have to like pay bills and stuff. It's just a part of life. Exactly. And, and if you would have just gone straight into the yoga without having um, had any experience in it really at that point, we put a lot of pressure on it. Absolutely. And then that risks like depending too much on it and that can kind of mess with the path as well so it's great to be practical yeah because people nowadays open up yoga studios you know and they lose the whole meaning of teaching yoga because now it's a business yeah yes yes and they don't care about really they have to kind of water down the teachings or they have to serve the people that are coming so that's why i never really opened a yoga studio because i did not want to a manage people yeah and have to pay rent Exactly. It, it takes away from the intention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've always had that. Have you always had that intention of helping people? Absolutely. Okay. Yoga helped me. Therapy helped me. Meditation helped me. Mm-hmm. It changed my life completely. Like 180. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I feel that I need to offer this to other people. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting, too, because like you've known, I've had my own struggles with food in the past so I feel like in general we teach what we need to learn absolutely and that's why we can have such a strong grasp on this information because we've healed ourselves with this information and these tools and everything and now we can give it to others to try to transform and that's the work yeah you have to do it for yourself first exactly exactly otherwise you're faking yeah and we know that I feel like even from the time that you started your yoga and everything, I feel like the yoga, what yoga is today and what people think yoga is today with like the Instagram stars and people showing off there. I mean, I know what you think about that stuff. Um, so for you, what is specifically the power of yoga for people as a tool to become more awakened? Um, I know you always say that it's so we can be present amongst our thoughts um, but can you elaborate on that what specifically about yoga can help people well first of all the understanding of what yoga is today like you mentioned it's it's all over the place it's been marketed marketed so much mm-hmm. it's a commodity now so for me it's lost its meaning and I see a lot of people you know going to yoga and doing yoga but it's really just a physical exercise yeah not that there's anything wrong with physical but the real intention behind yoga, if you look at the Yoga Sutras, if you're practicing yoga, look at the Yoga Sutras. That's where it came from. My teacher, Guruji Patabi Joyce, mm-hmm. would always say, this is not Guruji yoga. This is not my yoga. This is Patanjali's yoga. So, you know, that's the information that we got. So we run in India to a bookstore to get the Yoga Sutra book in Sanskrit and find a transliteration. And we, got it. we didn't have Google back then, where you can yeah. just put Yoga Sutras and yeah. you get all this information. Right, So we really had to do some self-study to figure out what this is about. And the one line that really describes it for me, and always has after all these years still, is the second verse, which is Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodha. Yoga is defined as being able to stop identifying with our thoughts. It sounds so simple. It sounds so simple and so succinct. That's it. Yeah, that's all it is. But that's not what's being advertised now. Absolutely not, because it's not fun. It's not no, sexy. No, no, it is. <laughs> what's sexier are those poses. Yeah. That, that if will you make do yoga, you... then you have this great body. Yes, and yes. You might, mm-hmm. 
And but that, it would come as a side effect. It's a, It's one of the benefits, yeah. definitely. Yeah. If you, you know, one of many benefits. Mm-hmm. But the grab of it being like a physical, that's what's become like the grab in the Western world. But at the same time, it's at least it's it's something. People are exactly. starting to do it. But whereas exactly. 10 years ago, wasn't or 20 years ago, every year there's more and more people are more interested. So there are benefits yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. But it's been watered down. Yes. yes. And maybe people at, at that level, that's where they're at so mm-hmm. that's okay too so yeah. it's not like i want to you know disparage you know all the instagrams and facebooks exactly. but it's just it's a little bit overwhelming because what happens is a lot of people start comparing contrasting and then yes. feeling less than because if their body doesn't look like that then they feel like they're horrible at yoga yeah or if they can't do a certain pose that might take somebody 10 years exactly. to accomplish then it might make them question their worth and that's just really not what it's about it is if you if you can look at the story you yes. see that's where yeah. the whole yeah, thought the identification yeah. is like here i am feeling less than because i can't whatever put my leg behind my head or put my my my, my legs in lotus mm-hmm. so there's something wrong with me and i feel bad and i'm frustrated because i've been trying to do this for years mm-hmm. that's the story that we target yeah 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 and and the outside factors the poses and everything are just another tool for us to see what's going on with us inside, you know, and I think it's a neutral practice. It's a neutral, and that's so interesting, especially like with Ashtanga, which is this, you know, the yoga that you teach that I do with you, Mm -hmm. um, because it is physically difficult and everything. And there are a lot of, um, you know, interesting postures that, that are involved. And I think in the Ashtanga world, there's a lot of like, harshness and um it it can be hard and you have a more gentle approach when it comes to that and especially i think people who are drawn to ashtanga can be type a people people that like to accomplish stuff perfectionists and for me as all of those things it's really been an amazing tool to make it something neutral and to just show up and say i'm just gonna do it today and what matters is that i showed up not if I can, you know, lift my legs off the floor in, in some poses, exactly. you know? Um, so and that's the evolution, you know, yeah. somebody, you know, different people are different stages of development, really. Exactly. And what, you know, the more information you have as a psychologist, it really helped me figure out how to better manage students and vice yes. and how to, how to better treat clients. So uh-huh. it kind of feeds each other because yoga and therapy are really the same thing because co- yeah. we go into the therapy route it's cognitive behavior therapy understanding our thoughts mm-hmm. and challenging those old beliefs that no longer work with us you see and in, in doing that on the mat is really really impressive because you're also integrating your body yes and that's something that the yoga brings to mm-hmm. the table because exactly. you're developing a relationship with your body yeah and and tying your thoughts with your body and experiences is so healing Yes. And especially with food, you know, because oftentimes when people overeat or turn to food for comfort or to try to leave themselves, they leave the body, you know, and they disassociate, they disassociate. So it's like you're binging, you're in another world that you go into where I try to teach, like, if you stay in your body, your body will tell you what you need. But it does take time to get used to those sensations of the body and that's something that you say too as we practice like get in touch with the sensations of your body because there's a lot going on there's a whole world waiting for you to look at yes 
I love the way that you put that because it's so true. And oftentimes I think like, I think for myself, like, oh, I don't want to be here right now. And, um, you know, I get caught up in that, like I'm tired, Mm -hmm. but there's so much to pay attention to and to revel in, to be thankful that, that we can do this practice. Um, And it's about training the mind. Yeah. To understand that you're getting lost into, I'm tired, I don't feel like doing this, it's too hot, it's too dirty, Yeah. I don't want to be here, Uh I don't like this girl. I mean, I get all of it in the studio. Uh Not in the studio, in my Mysore room. Yes. Right? All all of this stuff comes up. I've been teaching for over 20 years now. Uh Uh-huh. And there's certain people that I've known for over 15 years have been coming every day. Mm-hmm. So all this, this stuff kind of comes up. Exactly. On the mat. Yeah. And it's just hard to give people back that power to say, you're uncomfortable. That's good. Yes. Yes. That's actually a good thing. Yeah. Because what we usually do is we run away from the discomfort. That's the way that we are wired as human beings. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have that wire, we wouldn't have evolved to, to being here now. Exactly. Because that's what saved our lives back in the primitive days, mm-hmm, right? We're mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Oh, there's a tiger coming. We yeah, gotta run. you got to do something. But now we're in a different, you know, we're in the modern world. Mm-hmm. There's no tigers out there. Yeah. But we're acting as if there's tigers out there. They're going to come and kill us. Yeah. And, and you're not feeling safe. But that comes back to how you were brought up and what kind of genetic, you know, stories do you, are you carrying? Because we're, yeah. we're right at the leading edge of human development. You know, the millions of years of humans being on this planet, right now, all the people on this planet, over seven and a half billion people, this is the cutting edge. And we're carrying everything up until now. Yeah. So we're going to carry those fight flight responses Mm -hmm. as if there's a saber toothed tiger about to kill us. Mm -hmm. But if we develop the awareness to go, hey, wait, there's no, there's nothing going on right now. We don't need to go and eat. We don't need to go and drink. We don't need to. We can just stay discomfort. Is that interesting that my body's having a reaction? Yeah. Well, and it's and it's. I'm glad that you brought that up because we can differentiate from the voice that we have inside to just watch it, you know. And that's very hard to not get caught up in those stories and what our minds tell us. And I really think it's beneficial to be able to cultivate that role of the observer. Um, but that's what that's what that's exactly. what goes back to yoga. Exactly. Yoga is being able to disidentify with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And what's left if you're not your thoughts? If you're not caught in like the thinking process, you. there's something within you that's yeah. aware. That's always been aware. That's always been there. Mm-hmm. It was there before you were even born. Exactly. And will be there after your body's dead. Mm-hmm. That's constantly just witnessing your experience and if we can get that online more in the yoga room in the meditation in your interactions to just check your body check your breath as you go throughout the day it's not something that yoga is not something you just do you go to a yoga class and then that's it you're you're done done. right Mm -mm. it bleeds into the rest of your life yeah and the real work lies outside absolutely you know and then you can see it how it shows up back the next day on the map yeah yeah. and they're again it's habitual patterns Mm -hmm. it's the the neurons are used to firing together so for you to build new connections in your brain it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of work to train your physical gross body to let's say get into lotus right for some people it takes years 
And that's gross. So imagine a pattern of, I never feel good enough. To challenge that every single moment that it comes up, that's yoga. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yeah. And to be able to do what we need to do in the world, living with that, you know, and learning how to be the observer amongst that. It's crucial. It is. It's crucial if you want to self-actualize and be yourself. Otherwise, you're not being yourself because you're being less than. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me in my life, my growth has always come from discomfort. And like you said, you talked about that when you left your job. You'd still show up to the yoga studio even though you didn't want to, even though you felt like, oh, I know that feeling. Like I still feel it every morning that I... I try to do some sort of practice every day. I feel it doesn't go away. That like, doesn't go away. You know, and that's I, that I think is another thing that we'll get to later. Like the fact that you need to show up anyway. Absolutely. Um, but my moments in my life that have sucked and that have been so hard have, and even now, constantly leaving my comfort zone and doing things like that scare me that is essential to my growth um and i think for people in general to know that like the fear doesn't go away that you're gonna do that you can do things walking with fear like in the back seat and just being there and just being like you know what i can handle this so talk about how discomfort can play such an important role in our lives and how it can foster growth well like you said it's it's when you're uncomfortable if we can just change our relationship with it that would be huge. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of work. Yeah. Being uncomfortable means that there's growth. There's no pain without growth. There's no growth without pain. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to suffer, though. It's a choice to suffer, right? If you can put more awareness around it. It's like, can you acknowledge that I'm... Un- okay, so I'm uncomfortable. Can you just stay being uncomfortable? Or do you need to go and shop and buy the brand new, uh, another purse or another pair of shoes? Or... Because I'm uncomfortable because something happened or because you just had a thought of like feeling that maybe I'm getting older, I'm going to die soon. I mean, that's pretty hard thing to sit with. Mm -hmm. But those are the things that we need to learn to sit with because these are realities. Exactly. There's no such thing as anything that's permanent. We're all grasping over things like, okay, now I have a house and now, you know, I'm set and this is going to make me happy. But no, it's never, it's, it's constantly changing. Yeah. So the more that we can get used to like going with the flow and it's uncomfortable going with the flow because our instinct is to, we want to control things. We want to feel better. Our instinct is go after self gratifying ourselves Mm -hmm. and avoid the things that causes discomfort. That's how we operate as human beings. That's in our instincts. Mm -hmm. So it made us again, survive up until now, 2017. Yeah. But now we're at a place where, okay, we're safe. We're at the leading edge of humanity. How do we get to the next level? And the next level for me is self-actualization. I mean, I think that's what we're all here for. Every single human being on this planet. When you say self-actualize, for the listeners that might not be um, aware of what that is, what do you mean by that? So self-actualization is basically having a sense of well-being most of the day and being yourself. Feeling comfortable managing the stress that comes and goes in Mm -hmm. your life and contributing to society. And having a, a sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. And a purpose even, right? 
if that is part of your life yeah yeah, you can definitely have feel like you have a purpose yeah but that purpose may shift and change exactly yeah but it's being comfortable in your own skin yeah and being comfortable that everything's evolving and happening and unfolding exactly the way that it needs to happen right which yes again it's going with the flow showing up I'm yeah. not saying like I'm gonna go with the flow and stay in bed all day. Call me when you know. Yeah, and that's something else that I have to talk to you about too. You know, it's not about going into a cave and like spiritually bypassing. Yeah, all of our stuff, which a lot of people, you know, like you said, is like I thought I was gonna do yoga yeah. and then I was gonna reach this perfect, you know, enlightened yeah. person. But I didn't know that it was gonna be. I didn't know that that wasn't the point. You know, like I, all of the self help books that I read and everything promised me that. You know, that one day I'd be this like perfect person that would just go through life never having fear, never having a negative thought. And then once I started really seeing them, I was like, well, now I'm just a shitty person because I'm not doing everything. Like I'm not feeling the way the self-help books and all of these things promised me that that they would that would be the ultimate point and the ultimate goal. And it was really like three, four years ago that I started realizing that that wasn't the point and that wasn't what was going to happen to me and and that really allowed me to take like a gentler approach with myself because then I could be compassionate towards myself when I did have those thoughts or when I did have the fear and I knew that I could um be with them and it would be okay because that's the whole point and that's the whole point you know it's not you don't want to bypass all of this stuff we're human beings we're gonna we're here to feel everything Mm -hmm. on the the whole pendulum of emotions exactly we're gonna feel bad we're gonna feel joy yeah. We can't just cut off all the bad and just stay in the joy. It's exactly. not possible. No, 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 no. And no. you're kidding yourself and you're fooling yourself and probably other things will develop. Yes. From yes. that. We'll Narcissism and psychotic. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and then more Self- problems develop from that. Exactly. But I really want people to know that that it's okay to have every emotion in in the spectrum because those are all parts of life. Like you say all the time, like pain is a part of life and it's really just about being being okay to handle and it is hard confident enough exactly. to, to handle it and it's important to handle it because otherwise we hold it in our body yeah and, then and that manifests in, in different something ways. else and yeah. that's where diseases and, and all these other things come from it's yes. a lack of awareness how we hold everything exactly and we're pretending like everything is fine by what like you know putting a bunch of makeup on and a nice dress and like off you go yeah yeah and not sitting with the reality of sometimes you're sad, sometimes you're angry, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know, are pissed off that somebody cut you off in traffic. And it's like, okay. it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just need to recognize that. Yeah. And something that you said, too, is that we like to control. And I know that for me, a sense of control used to be something that I needed. But I think that you can either have control or trust. Mm. And that's something that I've realized, like, where am I operating right now? Am I trying to control things or am I trying to trust things? I'm really into the work. I've been reading a lot of Joseph Campbell lately. And he talks about, like, I've told you this before, but like how I had like my path laid out, like this is what I'm going to do in my life. But that wouldn't be my path because it hasn't happened. The path happens like stone by stone as I create it. Yes. And as I trust that things will go um how they're supposed to go so talk about what that means for you like that difference between control and trust and and operating in your life with a sense of trust 
Well, it goes back to the again practicing that the meditation and the awareness practice mm-hmm. to be aware of whatever's coming up. Yeah. So when you feel like you have to control something, it's because you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, because control is another mechanism. It's a way of hiding. Okay, well, I don't want to deal with X, so I'm going to control everything because I want everything to turn out that way. And how does that work? Tell me about when you try to control things. How does that work? Then you get disappointed if things don't go according to your you know, plan. <laughs> to your plan, exactly. And then, but then you're trying to play yeah. God, yeah, essentially, exactly. You know. It's like, oh, things didn't work out exactly how I planned, so now I'm, I'm really upset, and I'll get in a big fight with my husband and yeah. be pissed off for the rest of the day because I wanted things to go this way. Yes. And you're missing the whole point, which is just to be present. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And let go of control. See, control is a way of not being present because you're planning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, like, if you're going to host a dinner, yeah, you have to have some planning. Yes. Yeah. Right? You have to yeah. put, you know, Thanksgiving, you got to plan, you're going to, you know... It's a fine balance. Yeah, but that's a healthy sense of control, and that's just a practical thing. I think also it's like, what's the intention of the control? Is it because I'm uncomfortable? Is is it because I think I can't take the alternative to my plan that I've set, and that's going to make me okay? And it's mostly a lot of the time it's just habituated, right? So somebody in your family or my family was a control. They They wanted things to control, and then things didn't turn out the way they will get upset so we internalize those models as parents Mm -hmm. right as children and parents are role modeling the way to be in the world yeah so a lot of it has to do with just recognizing that those patterns have been internalized and that you can choose something different yeah you know people you know say oh I never want to be like my mom and then they have children and then they have going I sound exactly like my mom it's so ingrained the way that we're grown that that we're raised that it is beyond our control that we're going to turn into our parents yeah the mo- the model continues to pass be passed down genetically yeah so it's about practicing awareness and going okay i'm this is the way i was taught doing it but i'm going to do it differently mm-hmm. and take an, an active role absolutely in your life and your development um okay so i love your approach of yoga where um you do encourage us in the Mysore room to work hard, but at the same time, there's a softness that comes along with it too. And I have to find that balance in my own life of being disciplined because I think des- like a certain level of discipline is necessary Absolutely. for everybody. Like you said, oh, today I feel like laying in bed. I'm just going to do that. And that's not really the point of, of things, I think. So how can we find that balance to develop like a loving discipline in our lives to show up and do the things that we need to do while still maintaining a certain softness? Because I think it's like it's not super strict and it's not totally lackadaisical. It's somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. So how can we foster that, that well, sense? Well, that's one of the things about Ashtanga that I really, really appreciate. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's you show up every day. Yeah. That in and of itself is a huge, huge help in terms of establishing some sort of like discipline for your own spiritual practice and self-actualization. Yeah. Right? So it's showing up even though you have a million excuses that you don't want to, and they will always be there. Yeah. It's never going to go away. 
But those no, those new neurons are established in your brain to be like, I know that this is good for me. Mm-hmm. So there's the softness. Yes. This is going to be good for me. And whether it's just doing half an hour of asana and half an hour sit, that's great. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that day it's just a sit because you're tired. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's really understanding and developing a relationship with your body and knowing what's good for you. Yes. Emotionally as well, because that this yoga and whatever else, you know, people can use other tools as well, whether it's other exercises or anything. But I think the fact of just showing up for yourself, doing something. Sure. If it's going for a run every day or going to the gym every day, whatever it is to move your body, you need to move your body. We have our body. It needs to be used. Yes. And it has to be moved. Yeah. And nowadays everybody goes to work and sits in a chair and then and with a computer screen and TV screen. The bodies are not being moved. That's why 60% of the United States is overweight. Yeah, yeah. And there's a higher level of diabetes of people that are eating food. It's not healthy. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Because we're not using our bodies the way that we're meant to. And they're meant to move a lot. Yes. You know? And and I think that even if, like, I show up to the mat, because, like, now, like I like, you know, I have a predominantly home practice that I do. And it's very hard. It is to show up. Nobody's gonna know. Like, no, you're not gonna know if I do it or not. But that doesn't matter. What matters is what that tool, whatever that may be, that movement, that sitting, that I chose to do it, no matter what. Show up for yourself. To show up for myself every day. And I want people to know this is something that I teach them. That motivation is kind of BS. I think because motivation is a finite resource. You, we can't rely. No. On the motivation no way because people you're not motivated no well people ask me like how do you stay so motivated to get on your mat every day to go on a walk when you don't feel like it I'm like do you think I want to yeah. do this <laughs> like every day but these things have given me so much in my life like mentally and physically in my body I feel it I feel like it's WD-40 like yeah. for the mind and the body Absolutely. If, if I don't do it at least something I start to feel creaky and it's just and then it starts to affect my mind so I want people to know that even for you that's been practicing 20 plus years that it might not be easy to show up on it, your mat every day no, it's not not might not be easy it's not easy. yeah it's not yeah I get a 430 wake-up call every morning yeah and I'm like, oh. But you still feel that. And Abs- even though that, you're a yoga teacher that's what I'm and this saying. is your work, yeah. I'm saying it's not not only not easy, it's, it's difficult. Not, yes, yes. But there's something, again, just like that, that took me to the yoga class when I didn't want to go. There's something that overrides kind of like the egoic instinct. Mm-hmm. It's the ego that wants to like, I just need another hour of sleep. Yes. I'm just going to press snooze again. I, I, I get up. I take a shower. I have a cup of coffee. I'm up. Yeah. And I always say, I can always take a nap later. I can go yeah. to sleep later. Like, you have to just, again, disidentifying with the stories and the yes. thoughts. Because if you identify, come up. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired. I deserve to be in bed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's what you got to play with. It's understanding that the mind's constantly coming up with stories and thoughts mm-hmm. that we need to be able to be. That's not who you are. If you're yeah. thinking the thought, it's not who you are. Because mm-hmm. there's two, subject and object yeah. there. There's two things happening. So who's who's writing Who's taking advantage of the thought of, I want to stay in bed and be lazy today? Yeah. Or that which is watching the thought. See, that which is watching the thought, that perspective, that's what you want to get all night. Yes. And and I really want to bring that point home that this is a lifetime 
Because a lot of people that talk to me, that I meet, people I work with, think that having a healthy lifestyle or doing this work is like they're going to do it for a short period of time and then they're just going to go back to how they used to be. And that's why I'm such a fan of like sustainability, things that you can do forever because it is going to be forever and there's never going to reach a point. You're never going to reach a point where like you arrive and like you're going to feel like it. Yeah. So I think every day it's important to be able to to develop that discipline to show up for yourself because it really gives back in so many, so many different ways. Um, so another thing that you really taught me too is the stories that mm-hmm. go on. And we've kind of talked about it too, that it could be a lifetime of stuff that we've heard from family members, from friends, things that we've done to ourselves, these tapes that go in the back of our head constantly. Mm -hmm. And I think that for many people, it can be unconscious. Um, And, you know, how can we, first of all, see what our stories are, and then learn to change our story, um, and learn to speak to ourselves in a kinder way? Well, that's when the role of a therapist comes in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because it's really hard to look in the mirror. And see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And you see it in relationship. Mm-hmm. That's the only way we can grow. Yeah. And we can see what those stories are. So if your partner or, you know, your boyfriend or a friend brings something up and you get triggered, right, you need to know the awareness of, first of all, what is a trigger? How does it feel in your body? Those are you. Once you have some kind of coaching of understanding what's coming up, mm-hmm. and you know, a good therapist will know that. Then you can start writing these triggers down and understanding where's the, send you work with some, a professional. Yeah, that can understand where are these stories coming from. They could be hereditary stories. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients that, you know, her mother and her mother's mother and mo- I mean, it's generational. Mm-hmm. Of feeling not good enough, of feeling taken advantage of, of being with an alcoholic or being you know so it's really interesting how generationally it can be it's not personal mm-hmm. it's just your software program yeah yeah can be running but it is running unconsciously until you meet the right person that can help you understand that and usually that's found in a therapeutic relationship with a good psychotherapist yeah and and, and like you said in relationships also if you have the awareness because yes. most people in relationships yeah. they don't have that awareness so your husband says something and then you make it about you and then it's game over and then it's a fight so you don't see it, it. You, yeah. you're, you're miserable you're unhappy you're identified see that's the identification you're lost yeah. in the reactivity you're not even aware that you're you know you know that you're not feeling good yeah but you have no idea what the story is behind it that's why a professional and not not a yoga teacher, mm-hmm. a professional, a professional that understands, yeah, yeah, exactly, a licensed professional yeah. is going to be one that, and that's a lot of the problems in the yoga world is that they, they idealize these teachers just yeah. because they can stand up with a light behind their head, exactly. that they're all knowing and all powerful and I'll be healed in their presence and that's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it, and, and that goes, that idolizes them to see that they're perfect and, and that's just not the truth, you know? Absolutely not. And for me, my own relationship has been such a source of mirroring and finding out things because I think that when I started practicing you, I just maybe had been in my relationship for about a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the type of relationship where like he doesn't let me 
be a brat, you know, get by with stuff. And he shows me myself. And at the beginning, that was really hard. And it was, I had never had that type of relationship before, you know. And then once I started becoming aware, he's just showing me stuff that, I, I, that I've spent a lifetime stuffing down, not running wanting to look at, running away. And that's a big part of our relationship now where, like, we are able to be mirrors for each other and facilitate growth in each other, you know. And that's a healthy relationship. Yeah. To be, have that level of awareness to be like, this is this is yours. Exactly. I'm holding it for you. Yeah. So you can look at it. Otherwise, we can't see it. Yes. Yeah. So you can live alone and not have a relationship and never have to deal with your stuff and then you yes. don't grow. Yeah, exactly. Because it is hard to be in a healthy relationship. It you takes know? work on both sides. It does sides. take work. And he's like, if you say trigger one more time, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, it's fun for us now yeah. because we've gotten to a point where we know each other's things and we can be compassionate with each other. It's wonderful. You know, but um, I really try to encourage people to have those difficult conversations, even in their friendships. Absolutely. You know, that's very hard too. like my best friends will tell me things that I don't want to hear, but that's the sign of a good friend good relationship and that really makes you look at your stuff also um that's i mean it's it's interesting that you say that because we have to be careful also in our role with friends right mm -hmm. friends are here to support us and lift us up yes that's yes. the role of our friends yes so friends criticizing and friends kind of putting you down yes it's not really healthy no generally speaking yeah but okay. if they do it in a in a loving way where they tell you, like, I'm trying to tell you the truth about something that maybe you wouldn't have seen right. otherwise. Right. Then I think that that can be beneficial. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, you, because of you, I started a meditation practice. Right. Um, and I feel like meditation is another one of those things that's, like, really elusive. Like, people don't really know what it means. Um, there's a lot of apps now that people can download. And people will tell me I'm not good at meditation. So what is the power of meditation for you? And what are some ways that people can um, develop that in their own life, even if they don't have an app, even if it's just themselves and their, and their breath? It's, again, the discipline to show up for yourself is important. Mm -hmm. So that's primary. Secondly, just three minutes. So starting off with a three minute, you turn, everybody has a phone or a, some sort of timer you put it on for three minutes you sit comfortably and you're just gonna pay attention to the breath in your body and something very simple is just the tip of your nose noticing how the breath goes in and out through your nostrils mm -hmm. and anytime that a thought arises which they will mm -hmm. you just identify it as I'm thinking those are thoughts and return back to the tip of the nose mm -hmm. so everybody can do that five minutes yeah. Every day. And just that. And you increase it. Mm -hmm. After a week of five minutes, then you go to seven, eight. You know, every week you add a minute till you have like a 20 minute. 20 minute is probably quite feasible for most people. Yeah. To have a, a, a sit, a mindfulness sit, a concentration. You're training your attention. You're training that pers mind perspective to be aware of what's happening. Because mm -hmm. when you are aware and when you're observing there's no thinking happening you can be doing one or the other right you can't do both yeah so if you're driving down you see a beautiful sunset like your mind stops 
Yeah. I remember I was being in Amsterdam, and when I was in Amsterdam earlier this year, I was just so aware and awake. I was just walking around without any thoughts, just looking at the beauty of the city. Yeah. And I was recognizing, like, this is always in us. Sometimes it's easier when you go away. On I think a lot of people can identify with going away on a trip mm-hmm. and seeing everything new. Your brain is taking in all the information. So you're, there's not a lot of thoughts going on. That's why people relax on vacation. You take a yeah. break from the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And ideally, you want to have that quality of awareness and excitement in your day-to-day. Yes. That's what it's about. So, you know, that's what I would recommend. It's It sounds so simple. Yeah. And this idea of like, yeah, but I'm doing it wrong. Because this idea that you're going to stop thinking is ridiculous. And that was my next question. You're but not going to stop thinking. That's not the point. The point is to be able to just look into how you can train your attention. Like, let's see if I can, you know, for three minutes, just pay attention to my breath and the sensations of my body. That's that's all you're doing. And yeah. most of the time, maybe 50% of the time, 80% of the time, depending on the day, you might not, you might just be lost in thought. But just that, that you're lost in thought, is huge. Yeah, or that you notice that you're lost in thought. Because most of the time people are running around like making up stories and reacting to the stories and driving, you know, they're, yeah. they're identified with the thoughts and the stories. Yeah. They're not present. Because when you're thinking and you're, you know, either regurgitating something that happened last week or planning for next week, you're not present. And then you suffer. Yeah, yeah. And then if you can come back during the day, it's not, it's not something that it doesn't have, even have to be a spiritual practice. Just be a mindfulness practice. It, throughout the day, you're taking pauses to mm-hmm. check in. Yeah. It's like, how am I, how am I doing? Sometimes you'll get home, the whole day is gone. It's like, oh my God, I'm so stressed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's probably the first time you've checked in from yeah. your day. Mm-hmm. So it's about finding those moments throughout the day to just turn inward and go, how am I doing? Am I okay? Mm-hmm. And if you're not okay, what do you need? That will be the next step. Yeah. But first you got to figure out what's going on. And I think it's important to create that time. Yes. You know, because it's easy to just, with these lives that we have today. It's that busy, 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 running chaotic, running around. Phones. With the phone, that's and, another I mean, thing. That's just, yeah. yeah. And I think it's important to say that 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 has to, that we have to be disciplined to remember to check in. And, and to create that time, and, and as opposed to just saying, I'll do it when I have time. Yeah, that's never you know? going to happen. And exactly. that's what doing a daily sit or a daily yoga practice, that's what it does. Yes. See, it kind of charges up those neurons at the beginning of the day, ideally. Mm-hmm. So it's on, right? And then you go about your day, and then sometimes you'll, oh, that's interesting. I'm just aware of it. I'm not reacting to it. See, that's you start getting those yes. things, those glimpses mm-hmm. throughout your day. Noticing after a while, you notice like, I would have totally had a reaction like last year if this happened. But something's going on that I'm not getting hooked. And those are the fruits of the, be- of the, me- of the meditation practice. Yeah, yes. It's done properly with the right teacher and stuff like that. I mean, exactly. that's really important. Yeah, and I think it's important to emphasize that it's not something that you're good or bad at. Yeah. And, and the point isn't to get rid of the thoughts because it's important to just see them. And to see and to drop the judge, it's non-judgmental yes, yeah, attention really to important. what's happening right now. That's what mindfulness is: mm-hmm. non-judgmental attention to what's happening right now. And that's hard too. And we all, as human beings, are attached to judging. Mm-hmm. So just to be aware that that judge is online—that's a huge thing. Yeah, it's and and 
and how rampant is it in your day? Yeah. I mean, I've kind of given it its own identity. Good. No. I'm just like, oh, hey, you're there, you know? <laughs> and yeah. and it won't go away, yeah. but it's... It it's, doesn't grab you anymore. It doesn't grab me anymore. As much. As much. Because there are moments, of course, yes. like, we're human, um, but I've kind of just seen it as this other thing that tells me I'm not good enough, that tells me these things, um, but I know I am, you know, so I'm able to discern... And that's that. great because that's you build a relationship with the judge yes. because of your yoga practice, your meditation practice, and you know your awareness practice. Yeah, that you're able to identify it. You see, and then what happens exactly. when you identify with the judge? Like you're saying, what's going on? You're not the judge. Yes. Yeah. Like exactly. you're not acting from there. So there's a there's this sense of freedom and liberation to be. Oh yeah, you're here, and I don't really like like that you're here because mm-hmm. I don't like you because you're not nice. Mm-hmm. But there's that that is aware of the judge. And that in and of itself make can make us see that it's not us. Absolutely. When I think most people... Not even aware that they are that. Or they, they think they that the judge is them. Yeah. That's and, what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, you know, so... They're not aware that they're the judge. And then they yes. start criticizing other people. Yes, yes, right? exactly. And that's the projection. It's like, I can't believe that, you know, you took a left turn instead of a right. What's wrong with you? Yeah. It's like... Okay, I made a mistake. Who cares? Yeah. And something that I did that you taught me was to, like, write down in the day when it would come up. Yes. And it would be, like, at certain moments with certain people, um, patterns. Mm -hmm. I would see patterns constantly. And then I'm like, I'm not even thinking this. This isn't who I really am. So writing it down and seeing it and having that journaling practice in conjunction with the meditation that's huge was really huge for me because Because you're putting space between you and your thoughts and those patterns yes and that's been like Like totally life-changing it's a game changer it is i'm like i don't have to succumb to this you know i probably listened to that voice up until i was like 25 or 26 and I'm like, I have so much compassion for the things that I did to myself and the food stuff that I went through because I just didn't know any other way. And that's why, like, I really want to bring this information to so many people because it really is a tool to to um, be a helper to our suffering, you know, to alleviate the to suffering. Allevi- to alleviate the suffering. Um Something that you really taught me, too, was an analogy that you gave me one time that when it comes to self-love and self-care with that when that judge comes in and to you compared it to a mom cub or a mom lion protecting her cub like with that fierceness. Yeah. And that was so powerful for me because Mm -hmm. then I can bring that back to my life I'm like hey don't say that to her you know (laughs) exactly (laughs) and that that was really revolutionary for me because then I can come at myself with this intensity and this fierceness to not allow those things to uh, affect my day or to allow me to spiral down like I would have um, in the past so what are ways that people can develop that that terms of you know self-love and that self-care in their life you know i find that this is again we're at that breaking point in society in our Mm -hmm. evolution that Mm -hmm. this is a real common topic people come up to me it's like well i don't i really know how to be kind to myself like what is that yeah so there's no knowledge on how to be kind to yourself we're so used to judging and criticizing and 
not feeling good enough. We so identified with that as a whole that to just practice small acts of kindness to ourselves is just mind-blowing. Mm. So the way that I like to kind of like internalize that is, so imagine if you were your own best friend. How would you treat yourself? It's not how you're treating yourself right now, I guarantee no. you that. Yeah. Because a lot of us are very happy to serve and help other people. As women, we have that gene mm -hmm. to self-abandon and take care. That's how we're wired. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't have, the human species wouldn't be alive, right? Mm -hmm. We were born to do this, take yeah. care of other people, take care of infants. Nurture, right? yeah. So we're used to self-abandoning. So what we want to learn is how to not self-abandon and how to take care of ourselves, whatever that looks like, by starting a meditation practice, by starting a you know, simple yoga practice, you know, by going to therapy, by figuring out what are the causes of your discomfort, what are the patterns that you don't want to repeat? Are you in an abusive relationship? You know, these are the things that is very difficult to unpack. Mm -hmm. So how do you start being kind to yourself? I mean, just start watching your thoughts and recognize if you're being critical and if you're being negative, you need to drop that those thoughts and stop paying attention to that. And you can literally drop them. Like, you could, like you if you can. drop a book. Exactly. Picture, I, I picture by, that. Yeah. By, by what? What will you do when you drop it? Where do you place your attention? See, that's Back to the, the present moment. And that's what the meditation practice is great yeah. for, right? Because yeah. you start training yourself to pay attention to the breath so you can recognize when, well, I can't believe that you did that because what's wrong with you? And they think that you're probably a horrible person. And it's like, how far do you go down that rabbit hole before you say, well, that's not very nice. Like, I wouldn't say that to my child. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that to my best friend. Let me just drop that story right now and let me do a five-minute sit right now just to, like, recalibrate. Yeah. So it's very subtle. It's very difficult. Yeah. Because a lot of time you don't really notice it till like, a week later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, and you've left, like, a path of destruction behind you. Yeah, yeah. You're going to fight with everyone. Everyone is pissing you off. So you don't have the ability to recognize that, to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. So that's why the sitting practice, even five minutes every day, is, is useful. Because then you start recognizing when those thoughts come up and how to stop identifying with it yeah. and replacing it. So the cognitive behavior is replacing that, that, that negative thought with like a positive one, even if it doesn't feel good. So what, are you stupid? Okay, catch that and say, that's not nice. I'm not stupid. I'm actually, you know, very smart, mm -hmm. and I make mistakes. Yeah, I'm just That's much human. softer. Yeah. So I always say, like, find something softer that's not so judgy and yeah. harsh. And you can feel that in you your body. You feel it in your body. Yeah. That's how you know you're having a trigger. You have a contraction in your body. Yeah. So you're, we're having thoughts, and we're contracting to our own thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> our own movie in And our it head. could be all day, your whole life, that Absolutely. that happens. Absolutely. And you, and then you're, you're on your deathbed. You're about to die. And how many people f feel, I never really lived? Oh my God, a lot of people. So all of these practices are really to get us ready for that last breath. Yeah. To feel like, okay, I've accomplished my mission. I'm ready to go mm -hmm. to whatever's next. I'm ready for the next level. Exactly. But it takes a lifetime. Yes. And I think it's important to say too that we're gonna forget sometimes. And, and we're gonna forget a lot of the time. Like, and it's simply about day. reminding. Yes, so it's like, I remember to remember remember to come back remember that i have these tools like sometimes all i have to do is just take one breath yeah that'll be something I'm, I'm going and it's happening the judge is coming in and i have a choice like i can either go down that spiral mm -hmm. 
or I can just take a breath and come back. And, and that can happen all day long. Absolutely. That you like remember, oh, okay, like yeah. I'm actually not a shitty person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm, I can. I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best I can That's right now. That's a big now. one right there. Yeah, exactly. Like everything's happening the way it needs to happen. Yes. All these reminders that we can give ourselves. But I think it's important to note that we're always going to have, we're going to forget sometimes. And, and we never the get razor's to the place. edge. Yes. That's the razor's edge of this path is mm-hmm. to, you're constantly going to be falling. Yeah. And it's okay when you do. If you recognize that you did, just get right back on. That's mm-hmm. it. It's simple. Yes. Yeah. Not always easy. But, it's not easy. But it's very simple if you just think of what the premise is. Living a simple life is very difficult. Yes. <laughs> well, I always think, like, um, I heard this quote um, the other day that was like, hard choices, easy life. There you go. You know? Definitely. Easy choice is hard life. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, the, the opposite is yeah. also true. Yeah. You know? But, like, you make the hard choices to show up, to be a witness to your thoughts, to um, move when you don't want to, mm-hmm. to have difficult conversations with people, then things aren't so bad in the rest of the time. You know? Another thing that you taught me was remembering to have, like, a somebody in your life that you picture that's like all encompassing loving to you yeah the role model the role model yeah and that's something that I don't always do it in my meditations because sometimes like I just want to sit and just kind of see what's happening but that's been monumental for me to picture like um one of like the Buddhist goddesses or like my my grandmother who's not alive anymore to to foster that and to bring that in those those feelings to to make me feel better absolutely that's critical practice for me as well Mm -hmm. to have to think of those people that represented that unconditional where you actually felt your whole body felt at ease in their presence because you felt seen Mm -hmm. you felt safe and you felt loved and we forget those and all we've got to do is remember to put that back on feel it in our body and then all of a sudden you're you're feeling pretty good yeah it's like oh wait a minute yeah i am loved because a lot i mean a lot of our issues it all stems from like wanting to be loved, wanting to be seen yeah. for who we are and valued. Yeah. And we look for that externally and that's the wheel of samsara. And we know it is, but we still keep looking for it externally. Mm-hmm. But if you can, those moments that you can recognize that you're looking for that external like validation, just recognize that and go, oh, okay, so I need to sit with myself and receive love. Yeah. And whether it's a Tara meditation, whether it's your grandmother, you know, people who have passed, it's it's great because you can actually feel their presence. Mm, I feel mm-hmm. them sitting with me and yeah. like holding me and kind of like they're my biggest cheerleaders. Like, you're doing great. Yeah. Like, just keep going. Mm-hmm. And those moments that you're doubtful and you're like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Everybody has those moments. Yeah. And it's, it's an ebb and flow, right, of mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. So to bring those role models into our meditation that's the meditation practice see the attention is our training our attention so then we can sit and be able to fully receive that love 100% Mm -hmm. you feel it in every cell in our being and then go out in the world with that we need more people to do that yeah especially right now yeah oh my gosh no you know it's it's crazy times yeah and that's why all of these teachings are here now because you know all of there's a lot of buddhas here that need to wake up Mm mm-hmm you know, we're genetically ready for it. Yeah. We're getting to that next level. It's all getting really ugly because it's going to get even uglier. Yeah. 
So we need to stand up. We need to develop a sense of self that's healthy and start self-actualizing. We need Buddhas to help all these people that are suffering in this world. Yeah. Because that's the role of the, of the, of the Buddhas, right? Mm-hmm. Is to wake up to who you really are because you need to help a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So you can't help anybody if you're, if you're discontented, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling judgmental. Like, we got to, like, hurry up. Yeah. Like, wake up. No, it's urgent. Absolutely. It is urgent in it our is. times now. And, and like I said at the beginning, this work, I think, is so necessary, especially right now, because it would change the world completely if everyone just had an ounce of, like, could develop just a little bit of mindfulness in their lives to get a taste of what it's like to live in that way. Because then it doesn't matter what you do or what industry you're in or whatever. If you have that as your foundation, then you'd live a completely different existence. You know, know, I've been reading this book um, by Ken Wilber called The Religion of Tomorrow. And he has like a great catchphrase. Mm -hmm. He's like doing this monumental work, which is so exciting. He's taking the psychological ego development Mm -hmm. and kind of laying it over with a spiritual development model. Okay. That's never been done before. And his his theme is you have to grow up so you can wake up and yeah. you're going to continue to clean it up. Exactly. So, you know, all of these causes of our discomfort, whether you go towards eating or, you know, drugs and alcohol or shopping, all these addictions. Right. Mm-hmm. They're just a, they're just a sign that something went awry in your development as a child. Mm. So your psychological development, your ego development. Mm-hmm. So. You get some therapy, which is, you know, scientifically proven that helps Mm -hmm. to figure out where was the deficiencies, right? You work and clean that up and then you're doing your spiritual practice so you can actually wake up. Yeah, it's both. And that's where we're getting to this new level of consciousness. And it's it's just mind blowing Mm. because it makes so much sense. It's getting the psychological work, working together with the spiritual work yeah because up until now it's been separate like buddhists all the religions are thousands of years old mm-hmm. right so it's never brought in the psychological model if you think about it so people can be stuck in a concrete developmental model uh stage of development right mm-hmm. and have a huge spiritual experience yeah but there's still that concrete level of development yes so you see a lot of that with the yoga teachers right Mm -hmm. who are doing all these spiritual work and they might reach this non-dual state right but they're a narcissist and they're using all of that to feed their own ego yeah right and then it's not making it about the students waking up it's about look at me i'm i'm different you can't have this experience Mm -hmm. i'm really cool yeah it feeds the ego yeah and then people are attracted to that and it sells yeah because they have the charisma mm-hmm. to hook people and manipulate people into believing that they're special. And yes. it's not reciprocated. Yeah. You see, like a real teacher is recognizing that you can have this experience. Yeah. Well, that's the point. It's is more to give that experience to other it's people. It's more an, you know, a, a worldview. Every single sentient being is the same. It comes from the same. It's just an individual expression. Mm-hmm. So those are like really... That's cutting so edge yeah. um, 
of the spiritual and psychological work that I'm really fascinated and and trying to understand it more so I can help people more and yeah. and bring it out to, especially in the yoga community because yeah. it's at a stage of development that is kind of stuck. Yeah. And I think and I think it's so true that it's both because you can start spiritual work but not look at any of the stuff that made you the way you are. And that's spiritual bypassing. Yes. And which, many people are guilty of that. Yeah, oh my god. And many I people. didn't yeah, yeah, I didn't know what that was like five years ago and I was spiritual bypassing yeah. everything I'm yeah. like well I don't want to feel that I'm not going to look at it yeah you know? John Wellwood coined that word and it's just amazing yeah how many people you know and, and those are the teachers that sleep with students those are the teachers that disrespect you know women mm-hmm. um, you know and, and it's really sad because they're kind of stuck at a level of development that they're not growing yeah yeah so it's really an epidemic at this point because mm-hmm. there's so many yoga teachers and there's so much stuff going on and nobody's doing the, the work Yeah, because the work is not really yeah okay so you're showing up on your mat and you're doing your yoga you're doing your meditation that's great but are you seeing a therapist to work on your other stuff yeah the relational part mm-hmm. so you can look like the question yes like how do you know like what your stuff is you need yeah. a professional yeah to help you and people need to you know people that are in the yoga world need to hear that yeah, they want. They think that they're oh, just like you said. I thought that if I just practiced every day, because you know, Guruji said practicing all this coming. So people yeah. take that, yeah, and they run with it. It's like all I've got to do, and I was guilty of that too. The first ten years, like oh, I just got to practice, and everything's cool. Yeah, everything's not cool. No, practicing a lot of crap is coming your way. Oh, what are you yeah. gonna do now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's like that's true. Because when I first started doing Ashtanga with you, I would practice daily. Mm-hmm. I had a different schedule back then and it was hard for me. Like that made thing that's when I really started to see everything and it wasn't what I expected. <laughs> it was like thought it was going to be like all like glowy and perfect and everything and it gave me the opposite, but that made me realize everything that I had been stuffing down, it brought it back to the surface so then I could actually look at it and do something about it, yeah. you know? Um, you live a very authentic life. Obviously, you talk about how you have a passion for helping people, um, that you came from this marketing world, and now you're doing this other work. How can people learn to live an authentic life and to listen to their intuition to guide them as opposed to listening to society or to the, what their mom is saying, or to what's expected of them. Yeah, it's breaking through all the conditioning mm-hmm. that we're genetically, you know, exposed to, and the way that we were raised. Mm-hmm. So again, I mean, I hate to say the same thing, but it's by developing your own meditation practice, mindfulness practice, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. to be able to sit with yourself for 10 minutes every day, 20 minutes, and what does your intuition say? Like develop a relationship with yourself. Again, become your own best friend. Be super interested. Be like fascinated. Be like, okay, so what's going on today? Like how do you, how can I, but most people can't sit with themselves. Even like people that do yoga. They do yoga and it's like, I'm trying to teach some people how to sit and they're like, I don't want to sit. I want to jump around my mat. Yeah. So it's hard. It is. It's super hard to sit. You think like yogis are like, oh yeah, well they know how to meditate. No, they don't. Mm -hmm. They really don't. They're using, you know, the yoga to move and that's great and you feel good and that's all they want to do. It's again, sitting in the muck is difficult. Mm 
Yeah. So it's kind of like just be gentle with yourself. And like I said, three minutes a day is a good way to start. Uh-huh. And all you've got to do is train your attention to pay attention, whether it's the tip of your nose, the movement of your belly when you're breathing, the movement of your chest, something that's moving, it's easy to kind of stay with. Mm-hmm. And just notice that. Yeah. And that's how you start developing a, a stronger relationship with your intuition. Yeah. Because then you can actually hear it. Exactly. And you, you know? feel it. Not only and hear yeah, it, it's yeah, like yeah, you, you feel, feel it. it in your body. You feel that you have to do something and you go with it. Even though it's scary, the fear doesn't stop you. Keep doing it because you know that if you don't do it, you're going to feel worse, even though it's scary. Yes. Right? So yeah. I knew that leaving my job was super scary. I yeah. felt like I was jumping off a cliff. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, work, it always works out. Yeah, it does. Especially if you go towards the callings of your heart. If you follow your heart, it definitely works out. You know, and definitely. I found that to be true in my own life. Also. You make it work. You make it work, and and it turns out better. And it's different. It's different than yeah. the model of what society wants yes. you to do. Yes. So that's the scary part because you're breaking the mold. Yeah. Yeah. But you develop more confidence. You believe in yourself, and you you know you learn how to have a relationship with your intuition. It it takes over. Yeah. That you can keep coming back to. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And for me, that's been crucial because especially when I started doing what I was doing, I've been doing my own thing now for like five years. So at the beginning, people are like, what are you doing? You're not going to have health insurance. Like, go get your health insurance at a job. Yeah, let's get a job just for health insurance. Exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. And it's also but, crazy you have to pay like $12,000 a year for, for health insurance too. Yes, yes. Which yeah. is what pretty much what yeah. I pay. You yeah, know exactly. what I mean? But that's so, the price of doing your, having your own business. I'd still rather have my own oh, business yeah, than yeah. have my health. You're not going to get a job just to get health insurance. Exactly. But that's what, that's the conditioning Absolutely. of society. People, people would be like, what are you doing? You yeah. just you have all this soul. education. Yeah. Exactly. But um, I think it's, and so many people are scared to do that. And it is scary. It is scary. Because you have the security, you have like your nice car and everything. Um, but I know the benefit that I've seen in my own life, even though it is hard to do your own thing too. Yeah. Um, I know that it's my path because I listen to my heart the whole way and it changes. Yes. And that's something that you taught me too, that you're like 10 year plan. Yeah. It doesn't have to be right now. You know, like I'm very more so in the past, like I've kind of become more gentle with myself um, throughout these past couple years. But I used to be very like, I need to do this now and then get this done and get this certificate and just keep going, 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 yeah. going, going. And you would tell me like, you got 10 years. Think yes. of it in 10 years. And I'm like, what? 10 years? <laughs> like, I'm not going to see any fruits of it now. But that's again, the but, thinking and yeah, the Yeah, like you want it now. And it's our instincts, like instant gratification. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we want to be able to give ourselves some space. Like, okay, so every 10 years, I like to reinvent myself. Like in my 20s, I was in the business world. In my 30s, I was in the yoga world. In my 40s, I'm in the yes. therapy world. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's kind of like, and, and it's all kind of worked out. Yeah. It supports one, you know, so it's just like, okay, so the next 10 years, what would I like to be doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what's my joy? What fills me? Yeah. What makes me feel alive? What makes me feel like I have a sense of purpose? I mean, most people don't know that. Yeah. Because there's no awareness. Exactly. Or they're and, lost in like child rearing. You know, that's, yeah. you can get lost in that. Yeah. And that comes down to also listening to what your body tells you. Because your body will tell you. I think it's so important whether you're meeting people, looking to go into like a business arrangement or something in a relationship. See what your body tells you. Absolutely. About that person. You know, and that saved me a lot of potential stuff yes just by listening 
to and honoring what my body says about like certain situations and everything. And it takes time to build that relationship, and you still yes. keep learning because sometimes, you know, I always say when you ha- when you when you're having lunch with a friend, when you leave, do you feel drained or do you feel filled? You know, do you feel heart? Do you feel your heart? Do you feel warm? Exactly. And exactly. if you feel drained every time you see this friend, yeah, what are you doing? That's been hard for me also. Like to try to to know that like I don't need that toxicity even though it might cause upset yes. or disappointment and that comes with like setting boundaries yeah. and being true to yourself and everything. It's hard. Um well I could probably talk to you forever about <laughs> all of this stuff cuz I always have so many questions and there's so much that we could go into but I want to get into a couple of quick fire questions that I ask every guest. Um I love to read I'm constantly reading stuff and so many books have had big impacts on me in my life. What three books or authors would you recommend to people or have had the biggest impact in your life? I love to read too, so that's really hard to narrow it down to three. (laughs) Or maybe the most recent, whatever. I mean, the last one that I'm reading right now is Ken Wilber, Mm -hmm. um, The Religion of Tomorrow. He's written a bunch of books. He's a philosopher. He's a brilliant mind. Um... It's kind of complicated, though. <clears throat> it's a hard one to... I have to read it a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, it's like dense. To understand it. Yeah. But it's more like the psychology and the spirituality kind uh-huh. of meeting. Um, but in terms of spiritual books, I love Pema. Pema oh is one of my, my favorites. Yes. She really, you know, has done a lot of work. And she's... Yes. I really enjoy listening to any of her stuff or reading any of her stuff. She's... Mm-hmm. Pema Children. Yeah. Pema Children is one of my favorites. My favorite go-tos. Um, she talks a lot about the discomfort. Exactly. A lot. Exactly. Like that you can be amidst that and it's like, okay, you can just be on for the ride. Yeah. You know. John Wellwood, like I mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. a psych- towards the psychology of awakening is a really good one to understand like the psychological process behind the spiritual practice. That's it's really good. He's extremely talented as well. Um, you know, every you know Buddhism book that I can mm-hmm. pick up you know it's lately I'm more into the Dzogchen tradition so I'm I'm reading a lot of um what's his name um Wallace okay Alan Wallace okay yeah but again it's very philosophy mm-hmm. oriented and he's translated a lot of texts and um Jack Cornfield is another oh, one yeah. that is very clear in the way that he writes super practical yeah very practical um i mean i can go on and on yeah yeah <clears throat> i think that's a good starting point even with just pema yeah if people get into pema, her books I think, yeah and her audio stuff she has one called don't bite the hook yeah that's yeah. really good yeah. that like totally changed i'm like i'm hooked all day <laughs> like that's when i really started realizing um and what are your favorite fruits and vegetables like if you had to pick <clears throat> one for each mangoes Miami my favorite yeah. fruit. Yeah. I mean, I can just well, I mean even in India I would go like on mango diets. I'm like, okay, I'm just yeah. gonna eat mangoes. Mango season. You just yeah, eat mangoes yeah. all day long. I can live off mangoes and avocados. Oh my god. Yeah. I love fruits and vegetables. Those are my favorite too. Well mango, banana. Banana, I was gonna throw banana in there yeah. as well. I love avocado. Yeah. Um and what is if you had to have a last meal? What would it be? So, like, what would be your favorite, the last thing that you wanted to eat? Probably, like, coffee and chocolate cake. 
That's delicious, though. <laughs> yeah. I just love It's very, like, comforting. The both me. of them yeah. together. Chocolate, a nice piece of, like, chocolate cake. Yeah. I love that. And what has been the hardest lesson for you to learn throughout your life? My hardest lesson to date. Like, something that has maybe taken you a bunch of times to learn or that keeps coming up for you? Okay, that's a good one. I was just thinking about this and talking to somebody about it earlier today. I recognize that I have this pattern of pleasing mm. that was probably picked up some somewhere in my early childhood because of the environment that I grew up in. And I see how that continues to play out. Now, I see the positive of that mm -hmm. as a therapist and a teacher trying to help people. Yeah. Right? But too much of that, yeah. then you feel like a doormat, right? Yes. So it's constantly checking in with myself, and it's really, it's been hard, but it's getting more comfortable to establish better boundaries. Mm-hmm. And to not have to please every single person in my, you know, especially yeah. my family. Like, I'm always like, oh, yeah, yeah, just come over. I'll take care of you. And, yeah. And it's like, it's hard for me, like, to put those boundaries down. Yeah, especially with family. And to put myself first. Yeah. That's something that I think I'll always struggle with. But yeah. it's always, I see how it's changed throughout yes. the last few years, honestly. And it's probably a good point for you to check in to, like, that reminder. To yes. be like, here, this is coming up again. What? Can Absolutely. Do, so know? I'm getting better at like, oh, here I am ready to like drop everything and go take care of, you know, yeah. X, Y, or Z. Uh -huh. And then I sometimes just go, hold on to my seat. I know you want to do it. Yeah. But you're not going to do it. Yeah. You're not going to do it. And I'm uncomfortable. And I'm uncomfortable. And it's like, yeah, it's good to be uncomfortable. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to reprogram myself. Mm -hmm. Say discomfort is a good thing. You're changing patterns. Yes. If you were, the comfortable thing was for me to go and take care of everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, I think, a lesson that is the biggest one to date, I think, and will continue to be. OK. Yeah. We all have something. Yeah. You know, that that always comes up for us. And I'm also a big fan of like, I love talking to all sorts of people to get their take on life. And what's been like the greatest piece of advice that you've been given that's had the biggest impact for you? The biggest lesson or the biggest piece of advice the like biggest... that's helped you in your life so at the moment I can't think of an external but I can share with you an experience that oh, I course, had that's yeah. helped me uh -huh. during a meditation practice so a practice that I was doing is, mm -hmm. and we've already talked about that that sense of sitting and feeling like my grandmother, mm. my grandmothers, both of them, uh -huh. and the other side, I feel so loved and so like appreciated for exactly who I am mm. that it really regenerates me. And when I'm feeling most insecure or kind of down on myself as we do as human beings mm -hmm. I'm getting so much better at bringing them it's like okay I need your help yeah and like just hang in with me you know and and now that my father passed away a few years ago 
and that was a complicated relationship. But now that he's on the other side, like I even wear his, I have his, his thumbprint oh, with wow. me. Wow. And when th- when I get really scared when I'm alone, I'm like, okay, Dad, you're on the other side. You can help. Help yeah. me out. Yeah. So I think that that you know, as terms of advice, it's not really advice. It's an experience that mm-hmm. I've internalized, and it's a practice to kind of keep going there every day to feel that constant sense of like unconditional love being given to me. Yeah. That makes me feel at ease. Because that's powerful. It's something that you have internally that you can visit exactly. when you need it. Exactly, and you it's know. just making it a habit, and it's. Yeah. I feel like I've been much better at making it a habit. It's now my go-to place. Mm. Whenever That's I'm huge. discomfort, yeah, it's just like life is happening and it's uncomfortable. But if you're with me, I'm okay. I can get through this yes. moment. Yes, yes, and we all go through those Absolutely. moments. Absolutely, like, we all do. We have something that comes up probably every day that um, we have the opportunity to bring something like that in to help us in a healthy way and I think that's good because we keep the the instinct is to go and find it find something to make us feel better exactly well and also like that's what we're taught in our society exactly so it's to turn it around and go wait a minute I don't need to go do anything I just got to shift my attention you see exactly and then you shift your attention and pay attention to something else it changes your perception changes absolutely Absolutely. So I think that's really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's even more powerful because it's something that you create. Exactly. And you have the control to create it. And you have the right? control to create it. And it's, it's, it's like an infinite fountain. Exactly. That you can keep coming back to. And everybody has that. I really need to reiterate that, that I've been in such a bad place, like 10 years ago or whatever, where like I didn't love myself. I had all these thoughts about myself that weren't true and I would look to other people look to food like never even had the inkling of wanting to turn inward but through years of practice and everything I've learned that there's like an infinite fountain inside of me and even though like sometimes I might not think that it's there it's just about remembering it's about remembering and it's always there and it's always there for you even if it feels like it's not even though it feels like you're miles away yeah it's just remembering that it's always here and it's your it's your birthright yeah to feel that way yes we're born this way and then we get conditioned out of it and then we try to spend the second half of our life trying to find it again and that's so important for people to know because in life i think people fight to find their worthiness with other things when that's like an inherent quality like you said a birthright that we all have by being alive and, and being born um, it's looking for that external validation. Yes. We can just stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. world will change. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and learn how to validate ourselves. Exactly. Which is not easy, but through practice. It's like practice. with everything. It com- it's you know? a 24-hour practice. Yes. Yeah. It's not just on the mat practice or just sitting. No. It's all day long. Whenever you remember, come back. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate yourself. Love yourself to pieces. Every single cell in your being with the ferocity of that yeah of that mama lion you and know? with the ross when needed when needed like if someone's there. being an asshole to you yeah bring you it back stop. yeah it's like not allowed yeah because That's i love happening. myself that much exactly it's a big shift it yeah. changes your world so if people want to work with you or find you where can they contact you online like if you want to give them your website 
GretchenSuarez.com. Okay. And I'll put all your information in the show notes so people can find you. And thank you so much again for taking the time. You're welcome. To do this. You know, all of this is so valuable and I know people are going to get a lot out of it. Thank you for having me, Ashley. It's been a pleasure. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, please visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on Instagram at Ashley K. Pardo. If you like the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and giving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes.